0: Okay, so we are making our way through unit 8 of God's Economics. Unit 8 is Ministry and Money, and we're up to point D. Point D, we're looking at the example of Peter and the other apostles. And really in this section, we're we're going to talk a little bit more. It will pull some of the pieces together about Paul and some of the things that we've already talked about in the segments of this unit and even tying pieces together from the last unit as well. Um, There's not a lot to say about the other apostles, but Paul sets himself up as a contrast, not just a contrast against false apostles, but a contrast against the apostles who were ministering primarily to the Jewish people. Now, I mentioned this before, the reason that there's such a sharp distinction between Jew and Gentile as far as the proclamation of of the gospel is concerned, and as as far as ministry and money or receiving tithes and offerings, receiving free will offerings from people is concerned, is that if you were already Jewish by birth, you had you would have been brought up under the law, which mandates the giving of the tithes and bringing of offerings to the Lord. And so, and supplying the needs of the servants of the Lord, it would have been a very normal, culturally acceptable thing. It would not be a stumbling block. It would not be a confusion because as we talked about in a prior segment, this was a normal thing that the priests of God ate the offerings of the, from the temple, the ones that were allotted for that. There are some offerings that were burned completely and even other ones that were taken outside the camp and completely destroyed, but the offerings that were brought to the temple, this is in the book of Leviticus, the priests would have eaten them and shared in that. And the law makes many provisions. Don't neglect the Levite. Remember the Levite. The Levite has no provision among you, has no inheritance among you. So even every three years, the whole tithe was to be paid to the Levites for the the sojourner and the orphan and the widow, right? So bringing tithes and offerings to the servants of the Lord was not a shocker, was not a bizarre thing. It was totally normal in the life of the Jewish people. And so Peter, James, Jude, and the other apostles, they were provided for, they and their families were provided for by the offerings of the church because they were ministering primarily to Jewish people who were putting their faith in Yeshua as their Messiah. Okay, so it was a very normal thing for them. So some of where we get this information is when Paul again, he's writing, this is from 1 Corinthians now, Paul is writing to the Corinthians and he's again talking to the Corinthians about how he could charge them money, but he chose not to charge them money because he wanted to make sure that they knew that the gospel and money were not intermixed with one another. Now, the Corinthians, Corinthians, they were primarily not Jewish. And it's important to remember that Peter, James, and Jude, and the other apostles, for the first time, like decade of christianity it was not even conceived of that gentiles were going to be a part of messiah and the blessings of messiah the gospel was proclaimed first and foremost to the jewish people when the apostles first scattered outside of jerusalem they were focused on preaching the gospel to the jews in diaspora that means the jews who were scattered all over the nations because they have they were in exile. And so the, the mission was go and find the Jews and tell them that the fulfillment of their hope, what they've been waiting for, what they've been believing for has come. And it has come in the person of Jesus. Yeshua the Messiah is the Messiah, and he has come. He has offered himself. God has raised him from the dead. His blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins is being proclaimed to all nations, starting in Jerusalem, right? We have to, this is the message that they're proclaiming to Jewish people to understand hey, the completion of what God promised has been found in the person of Jesus. And he has now ascended to heaven. We've got a short amount of time to tell you that he has come so you can put your faith in him, have your sins washed away because he's coming back to judge in the great and dreadful day of the Lord, right? So Peter, James, Jude, and the other apostles, they were primarily focusing on making sure that the Jewish people who were out there in the world heard the proclamation of the gospel and put their faith in Jesus as their Messiah. Now, Paul, he considered himself and called himself the apostle to the Gentiles. So he wasn't focused on people who would be familiar at all with the idea that a servant of God was worthy of the offerings, the tithes and the offerings. And so money could have been mixed up like, oh, okay, so your God requires that I give some money in order for me to be blessed. Like, okay, so I have to provide for your life and for your service. I have to pay for that in order to get the favor of your God. Is that is that how it works? You see how a Gentile who was not not familiar with the law of God requiring tithes and offerings could get the issues confused if it's not handled correctly and if a clear delineation is not made by the one who is representing the Lord. So where we get some of this information that I've I've just explained in brief to you, just briefly to you, um, is from 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So we have to kind of reverse engineer this a little. Paul is talking to the Corinthians, and he's talking about how he has the right. He has the right to receive offerings from them. He has the right to receive their offerings. He has the right to be supported by them. He's saying this is totally and biblically. Right. And by the way, all the other apostles are doing it this way with their congregations and with their churches that they've put together or the the believers that they've gathered together because those believers understand what the law says about giving offerings to the servants of the Lord. So we kind of have to reverse engineer this a little bit. So bear with me. We're going to start with 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 4. Do we not have the right to eat? and drink. Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife, as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Now, Cephas is another name for Peter. Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? So Paul, he made tense, right? We talked about that in the last segment. So he's saying, I, I gave up my right to receive your offerings and be provided for by you. I still, I'm still, i still working for a living. So you're saying I have no right to work for a living, even though all the other apostles, they have the right to receive their food and their shelter and you know, even to take along their wife and their family and be provided for by the church and by believers, right? So it's only me, only I have to make tents for for you. So we're we're reverse engineering this. We're trying to get to what Paul is saying to the Corinthians. So he digs in a little bit deeper because he's saying all the other apostles, and he's not in this part right here, he's not talking about false apostles. Right here, he's talking about the real apostles, the other genuine servants of the Lord who are proclaiming a true gospel, and they are living according to the plumb line of Jesus, but among a different people group who would understand already the ways of God because of the culture that they grew up in. So Paul continues, we're up to verse 7, "'Who serves as a soldier at his own expense?' Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? Do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. So this is the scripture that we use to open up this unit. It is perfectly legitimate for a servant, a laborer of God, to receive offerings and be provided for. Paul is passionately talking to the Corinthians about, hey, these other guys, they're serving as soldiers in the army of God and the people of God are providing for them. They are working in the vineyard of the Lord and they are expecting to eat some of the fruit of the vineyard to be provided for so that they don't starve to death while they're out there serving the Lord, you know, or they're tending the flock of God. And so, yeah, it's right for them to get a little milk again so they don't faint in the pasture while they're trying to take care of the sheep. Okay, it's perfectly legitimate for a servant of the Lord to be supported. And Paul goes on, and this is how we open this unit. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing the crop. Okay, so that's all there is in that segment. We will keep going. We're going to put our finger there and pause for a second. But you see how all the other legitimate apostles are receiving support from the people that they have proclaimed the gospel to, and that they are tending like a vineyard of God, that they are tending like a flock of God, right? They're caring for the flock, and then the flock is caring for them. That is right and good and totally acceptable in God's sight. But Paul conducted himself differently than the other apostles because Paul was dealing with Gentile unbelievers who didn't know any better. But he continues making his point. We're at verse 11. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? So, this is what he just said. You know, like, we're doing this labor, and it is right for us to receive support from you. If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? So now he's starting to talk about the false apostles. So there are false apostles who have come in and they have supposedly done some spiritual work and proclaimed supposedly Jesus to them. And they're saying, but now you've got to pay my expenses. Now you've got to give me some money right? So other people, they claim this right on you. They take your money. And Paul in Second Corinthians, he really goes off on, on this. He's like, you know, forgive me that I was so nice to you. Forgive me that I didn't smack you around. Forgive me that I didn't demand money from you, that I didn't rob you. You know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I'm such an honest person. I'm sorry that I'm such a, you know, vigilant steward of the Lord and the purity of the gospel. Forgive me this wrong. You you know, all these other apostles, they come beat you up and you're like, oh yeah, there's a real apostle. You know, th- that they're just so deceived about the ways of Jesus and they're so easily persuaded by someone who comes along and seems to have a little spiritual power or seems to have a gospel that's going to solve my problem and solve it now. You know, see, friends, there's nothing new under the sun. All of this was going on 2,000 years ago and Paul was fed up about it because these false workers were deceiving people. People and hurting people and taking their money and using it to make themselves comfortable and famous and presenting themselves as if they were teaching the ways of God and the truth of Jesus Christ, which they were not. So Paul is saying in this passage, I have the right to do all of these things. I absolutely have the right to be supported by you. I planted you in the gospel. I've nourished you and raised you up in the gospel. I totally have the right to be supported by your material support for my spiritual work in your life. But he says, nevertheless, we have not made use of this right. So he denied himself. He did not. He had the right, but he didn't execute on the right. Rather, he says, but we endure anything. We will go through anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Right. So uh, listen, he's saying, I'll make tents. I'll live poor. I'll be in need. I will do anything that I need to do. I will pay any cost that I need to pay so that you don't have an obstacle or a stumbling block that will prevent you from believing that Jesus is Messiah, that will prevent you or put any kind of hindrance in your ability to believe the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. He goes on, and we use this scripture in a prior segment. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. Okay, so this is all. You see how all of these things fit together. Hopefully, for some of you who have read this passage before, you're starting to see how this fits together. Paul is saying all the other apostles are using their right as servants of the Lord, like the servants of the temple, to receive their offerings and to receive material provision for their needs because they are servants of God right? So I I know I keep repeating myself, but I hope that this scripture is showing you from the Word of God how this is the case. This is what Paul is talking about in this passage. We're up to verse 15. Again, he's back to himself relating to the Corinthians, not just what the rights of a real apostle can do, but the way that he relates to the Corinthians. But I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision. So Paul, he did not send out a newsletter. This was not a newsletter saying, Oh, dear Corinthians, please send me support so that I can go into another village and reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I know if you receive newsletters in your mailbox or in your email box from most ministries today, that's what they're writing about. Well, guess what? False apostles, in the days of Paul, they were doing the same thing. Now, it would be a letter, not on an email, but they were sending out letters for support, I'm sure, and Paul is saying, look, I'm I'm, I'm telling you, I haven't made use of the rights that I have to receive money from you, but I'm not even writing to you to ask you to provide for my needs. Actually, let's continue and see what he says, for I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. Paul is like, I would rather die than receive a dime from you so that you don't say that you're supporting me like you're supporting the other false apostles who are deceiving you. Okay, my ground for boasting. Let's see what he says it is. If I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. You know, there's a parable of Jesus. Jesus is explaining to his disciples about a true servant, and the servant comes back to the Lord, and, you know, the servant doesn't, doesn't expect to be praised. The servant just says, I have only done what was required of me, right? Paul is saying, I don't need a reward for what I'm doing. I need to do this. This is what is required of me. This is what God, the King of glory, the King of all the earth, God Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth. God has commissioned me with this purpose and this mission, right? I don't get to boast about that. This is something I need to do. I need to do it. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel, Paul says. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not my own will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. What then is my reward? My reward is this, that in preaching, I may present the gospel free of charge so as to not make full use of my right in the gospel. So Paul, his great joy was to be so different from the false apostles. His great joy was to not receive offerings from the Corinthian believers, because they were confusing the matters of money and ministry. Do you see how this gets so sticky so quickly and how important it is for us as servants and ministers of the Most High God to be totally clear in our hearts about these issues, that whatever we do for the Lord, we do it because God asked us to. Not because we're trolling around, looking for wherever they're going to give us the best offerings. Not because we're looking to one who is wealthy and saying, oh, they're they're going to be able to support my ministry. I should be friends with them because then they'll be able to pay for my lifestyle that I want, or they'll be able to pay for this stuff that I'm doing. No, friends, that is partiality, and it's evil in the sight of God. Paul said, I would rather die than have any of that. Whatever the false apostles are doing, all the money that they're extracting from you—no, I don't want any part of that. And even though the real apostles—they are receiving financial support from the, the congregations that they are serving—I'm not doing that with you because you would confuse the matters of ministry and money. Do you see how this is so important? You cannot serve both God and money. And you need to be clear in your presentation of the gospel that God and money are not mixed together that your own motivation is not money or to get money, and even when you send out a newsletter or an update of the things that God is doing, that it is not so that you can raise more money. If that is your motive, then your motive is wrong. It is evil in the sight of God. You cannot serve both God and money. Paul was under compulsion of obedience out of absolute devotion to Jesus. It was devotion to Jesus that drove him on, not devotion to money or trying to get money out of anyone even if he had the right to it.